0: In the previous episode, I shared the first half of my recent talk at the DEFEND Conference at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary on biblical courage. If you haven't heard that yet, then you might want to go back and catch up. In this episode, I'm going to continue and go from explaining the biblical virtue of courage to helping you learn how to grow in courage. We'll consider what is the appropriate source of courage and learn some practical steps for building that virtue in our life. Remember, if you'd like to download my notes from that talk that include all of my points, quotes, references, and so on, I'm offering them to my podcast listeners for free. Just visit the link to the show notes below in the description of wherever you are getting this podcast and uh, so that you can get that download. Before we dive into this episode, let me encourage you, if you have not yet already, to subscribe to our email list so that you can get the latest content from this show sent directly into your inbox. Just visit the link in the show notes so that you can sign up on my website. Also, be sure that you are subscribed to Filter wherever you get your podcasts so that you can get all future episodes right on your home page. If you're helped by this content, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a rating and review or shared the show with your friends. Leave Filter a five-star review on Spotify and include a review on Apple Podcasts. It'll only take a minute of your time, and whenever you do this, it really helps us To get the message of biblical clarity out to more people well without any further delay let's jump into this episode from my talk at defend so where does this kind of courage come from like reagan asked where do we find such men where can and where can we find courage and how can we become such men and women ourselves here's something that we think we need to understand courage is not a natural born trait it's a natural born trait that some of us tend to be a little bit more reckless than others. I have a daughter and a son, uh, uh, five and two, uh, and my son is way more reckless than my daughter. <laughs> Part of, that, part of that is just by virtue of being a boy, but even on boy standards, he is a mess, right? He is reckless. He has no concern for the safety of his own body, right? Now, so it is, in one sense, a, a, a natural trait or tendency that some people have and others don't to be more uh, reckless, or maybe some of us uh, have more people-pleasing tendencies, and so we won't uh, be bold or speak up at times when we ought to. But that's different from, like I said, and have already explained and should have made clear, the virtue— which is courage, different from, than just those other things. Virt- uh, the virtue of courage is not just a natural born trait. It is something that we all have the potential for. Every single person in this room and at this conference has the potential for becoming someone who is embodied by the virtue of world-changing courage. And I really mean that. The only difference is you need to know where to look. You need to know where to look. If you look at our culture, and consider what are their answers for how you become a courageous person, a bold person, or uh, freed from the fears of people's opinions, whatever else. What our culture will tell you is that you need to look within. They'll say, look within yourself and be be in touch with who you really are and and what you really love. And, And once you become more true to yourself, then you can live out of that uh, free from anyone's opinions of you and so on i think one of the best places that we see this uh, an example of this is in the disney movie mulan mulan is is struggling and she's wrestling because she wants to go off in, to war with the men she wants to be a, a a soldier a warrior on behalf of her family but she's being held back from it she knows that she is a is a courageous warrior on the inside but it's just the outside that doesn't show it she looks into a reflection of herself in the water, and she sings, Who is that girl I see staring straight back at me? When will my reflection show who I am inside? This is our culture's view of what courage is, that you just need to look inside yourself and then let that reflection inside show itself to the world. The, the world tells us to find courage by looking inward, but the Bible tells us to find courage by looking upward. We do not look inside of ourselves, but we look outside of ourselves. Specifically, we look up. We look upward at Jesus Christ, who is the source of our courage. In Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, the author wrote, Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance. That's another one of those manifestations of courage. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. How do we do it? He says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If you ever wonder, how do I find the courage to live faithfully as I ought to? to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of the world, whenever it is hard to be living as a citizen of the kingdom of God in the world, the answer is this, put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on Jesus, he says, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And then whenever you set your eyes on him, you will be, able, you will be empowered to run the race with endurance. Uh, I grew up going to this summer camp. Uh, I grew up there going as a camper, and then, and then I was a counselor at this camp. And at the camp, we had this really awesome high ropes course with zip lines and rock walls and all that kind of stuff. If you've ever been able to do something like that before. And one of the things that we had on this rope course was this um, uh, long long series of different challenges that you had to go through in order to get up to the Crow's Nest Tower. Uh, So things like walking across a wire and having to stretch to grab on to ropes that were spread apart uh, to hold yourself while on the wire, doing all these different challenges, and all of them were set up about 40 feet off the ground. Doesn't sound like that much until you're standing on a wire about 40 feet above the ground. It was high, okay. But the first challenge was this: the first challenge was you just had to walk across a log. We had a log up there, normal-sized log that you, you can stand on, and it was at an incline. So you had to, the first challenge, then there's nothing for you to hold on to. You just had to go across, uh, trusting in your your, your harness and rope and the belay person down below, walk across this log. It was extremely difficult. It was honestly near impossible unless you did this. At the end of that challenge, on the, on the post that you were walking up to, we had a cross carved into the post that you were walking up to as you were going up this inclined log. And it's incredible what happened. If you would look up, instead of looking down at your feet, to try to balance yourself or looking at the ground, if instead you would just point your eyes at that cross that was in front of you, all of a sudden, and you just put one feet in front of the other, it was actually really, really easy to walk across this incline log. It was no harder than walking on the ground. And that's what comes to my mind whenever I read Hebrews 12, one and two, and I think about the challenges that we face as Christians today in our culture, in your communities and families and wherever else you might experience opposition and challenges to your faith. And how, whenever we're just looking at the problem, and we're looking at the challenges, the forces against us, it's a lot like looking at our feet while we're on that inclined log. It's hard to keep your balance, and it seems impossible to move forward. But but instead, if we look upward to the cross, if we look upward to Jesus, then it might become possible for us to walk as we ought to. In Proverbs 28, verse 1, it says this, The wicked flee when no one is pursuing them, But the righteous are as bold as a lion. What this tells us is that courage increases in proportion to our nearness to Christ. Because as we become nearer to Christ, more intimate with Christ, closer to Him, and our our life with Him becomes more and more unified, the holier we become. The more we mortify, kill our sin, and become like Jesus. And we grow not just in the righteousness that has been given to us by Him, but then in actual development of a righteous character. And so if we become more righteous by being close to Jesus, and if it is true that the righteous are as bold as a lion, once again, what does that mean? The key, the source of courage in your life and growing in it is nearness to Jesus and keeping your eyes on Him. Courage like a fire in your belly only comes from fixing your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes upon Christ. Along with this, God has also given us gifts that we can look to in our life to provide us with sources of courage. Once again, these are not things that we look inward. It is a lie. Do not look inward. <laughs> you, will, you will find things that do not give you courage. You'll find every reason within yourself to step down, to take the easy way out, to be silent when you ought to speak, and any, any other form of, of giving up. Instead, look outward. There's a good example of this. Whenever the Israelites were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem in the book of Nehemiah, they were receiving all kinds of opposition from uh, these these different people who were living around uh, Jerusalem. One of them was uh, Sanballat and all these different people, and they were attacking the Israelites as they were working at different points of the wall. So what Nehemiah does is he goes to all the workers and he gives them swords. They have weapons in one hand and then they have shovels in the other. So they work but then they're also ready for a fight. And Nehemiah says this to the men who are working in chapter four, verse 14. He says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord. Remember, that's first. And then what else does he say? And fight for your countrymen, your sons and daughters, your wives and homes. So we find courage, number one, most importantly, primarily, by looking at Christ, remembering our, awe and inspire, our, our great and awe-inspiring Lord, King, like Nehemiah said. But then we can also look to the gifts that God has given us in our life. In other words, what did Nehemiah call them to? He called them to look around at the people in their life that God had given them as gifts, but then also gifts that come with obligations. He, he, he noted relationships that along with these relationships come covenantal responsibilities. Whenever he describes your countrymen, remember, Israel was a covenantal society. uh, What we might describe in modern, more Western terms as a commonwealth. This idea where living as a citizen in the society does not mean that I live for my own intents and purposes and only for myself, but that I live uh, freely and virtuously, not just for the good of myself, but the good of my neighbor as well. Covenantal responsibilities for our countrymen. He says, your sons and daughters the obligations that fathers had to their children. He says, your wives, your homes. Courage comes by looking at God and then looking at the gifts that he has given us in our life and the obligations that we have to live courageously, to live faithfully, to live with perseverance, endurance for all of those different relationships. So how do we grow in courage? The answer is this, look upward and then run the race. Be strong and courageous. Let me give you some practical steps. The invitation, habits of courage. Practical steps to how we can grow in this. Because like I said before, and I truly believe it, you can all, we can all grow in having a courageous character. So let me give you some habits. The first one is this. It's obvious. It's practicing trust in Christ in the day-to-day. Practice trust in Christ in the day-to-day. I think that whenever we consider Moments that require great courage, whether that be uh, something quite dramatic, like we see in church history, Luther standing up uh, before, the, before the elites and authorities and, and, saying, and taking his stand, right? saying, here I stand. We think about those moments, or, or maybe even we think about the moments where God puts someone in your life to share the gospel with, to do apologetics, and the courage it takes to be bold and speak the truth in that circumstance— we think about those moments and the, the, the trust that we're going to need in Christ in that moment in order to have the courage to, to live, do what we ought to do while then overlooking the 10,000 other moments of our day-to-day life where we need to be trusting in Christ. <laughs> and if you want to make sure that you're the kind of person who can trust in Christ whenever, however you want to put it, the rubber meets the road, whenever it really counts, all the moments count, you need to be the kind of person who's trusting him in all the mundane, ordinary parts of everyday life. You are only going to be the kind of person who can face the great storms by practicing trust in Christ against the storms of everyday life. In one sense or another, if you, if you uh, consider it and if you don't just drown your mind with empty, shallow distractions of media and entertainment, every single day we're faced by storms. It can be small things like difficulty at work, getting stuck in traffic. It can be the internal storms we face. Whenever you are given a quiet moment and the insecurities, the fears, and the, uh, the negative self-talk that tends to come up in our minds. In each and every one of these moments, whether it is an external or internal or whatever the kind of storm it is, is an opportunity to practice trust in Christ. To go To be brought, like Chesterton said, to the breaking point of the soul and yet not be broken because you're being held together by Jesus. Do so in all those small moments, in all those normal, everyday mundane moments, and then over time, you grow. Over time, your trust deepens. Over time, the roots uh, uh, of your heart and and faith in Christ get get deeper and, and stronger so that whenever the time comes where you really need courage, where you really need fortitude, you'll have it. You'll be ready. Remember what I brought up before. In Mark chapter 4, whenever the disciples were caught in the storm, they were caught in the storm precisely because Jesus wanted them to. We often overlook that. We preach and teach that story, and we have it in our Bible studies and in our Sunday schools. And the only thing that we pull from it is this. If you're going through a hard time, Jesus can take care of it. And there are so much more, and there are such deeper lessons than this, which is that sometimes we go through hard times precisely because Jesus wants us there. A hard lesson to take in. It was Jesus's idea. And then he gets up, and he he calms the storm, and then he does this, another overlooked portion of that story. He turns to his disciples, and he rebukes them. Why? He said he rebukes them because they chose fear over faith. You see, Jesus wanted to go through that storm. He wanted his disciples to go through that storm. But his desire was that they would be able to go through the storm, endure it, paddle, do as they ought to, because him being in the boat with them was enough for them to make it through the storm. That's the only reason that we can explain him getting up and rebuking them, because they needed him to calm it. Remember that Jesus rescues us through the storms of life. Whenever you are brought into a difficult time, a difficult season, you're going to have a hard conversation, you've got something before you, just remember this, don't just be praying for a way out, but be praying that it would be an opportunity for Christ to rescue you through taking you into the storm, because he wants to build a valiant faith within you. This is what I call Christ-centered courage. It's a courage that is motivated by love. John Newton and William Cooper, in one of their hymns, wrote this. They said, "Begone unbelief! My Savior is near, and for my relief, He will surely appear. In prayer, I wrestle and hero perform. With Christ in the vessel, I smile at the storm." I believe that's the kind of Christians, believers, disciples that Jesus desires for us to be. Not the kind who just wail and complain and immediately break apart when we are faced by the hardships of life, but the kind who simply because he is with us in the vessel, like they said, we can smile at the storm, we can endure, we can live faithfully and courageously as we all do. So that's the first thing. Practice trust in Christ in the day-to-day and through everything that you go through, understanding that it will build you over time. Here's the second uh, step, and it goes right along with it. Take small steps of courage. Take those small steps of courage at every oppor- opportunity that you get. Understand this. You might and you probably are going to start out weak. <laughs> You're probably going to start out weak. You need those small moments where you, just, you, you, you have the, the, the conversation or, you, or whatever other opportunity it is. Maybe it, it, it's uh, volunteering in a new program at your church on, the, on to serve on a new team that that maybe was uh, kind of frightening to you at first but you think you know you have a, you've got a feeling that god's calling you to do it and so going ahead and taking that step understanding like there's nothing world changing about that right but that might be a step that god's leading you uh that, that's at one piece in the road God's leading you down to trusting in him and greater things in the future. If you start out with small steps, understand that you're weak and you just need to start out right where you are, over time, you will build courage through trusting in Jesus. It's really similar to working out. Uh, you know, So I, like I said before, I'm a pastor, but I do a few other things. One of the things I do it's not really a job, it's more of a hobby, is I'm also a CrossFit coach. So I'm a trainer at a, a local CrossFit gym. And one of the things that I have to do is whenever we have a new person come in, we have this workout written on the board and, and there's gonna be you know, these big, heavy lifts and there's gonna be high-skilled gymnastics and all these different things that we're expecting people to do. But I've, I've got a person who comes in with no experience of, in any of that. And maybe they have injuries and maybe they're unhealthy and maybe they're nervous and whatever else. So what I do instead is I don't say, all right, go deadlift 375 pounds <laughs> or go do a muscle-up. Instead, what we say is, let's start where you are. Let's start with just the barbell, just an empty barbell. Let's start there, right? And then, and then okay, let, let's see if we can hang from the bar, right? You don't, do, you don't have to do a pull-up. Let's see if we can hang from it. If, no? Okay, let's just do some ring rows, right? We start where the person is, and then we, we work, right where they are. And it's incredible to see how over time with small steps and just adding on little challenges here and there, how people grow. And they do things that they never believed that they could have done before. And it's the same in growing your character. It's the same in growing your character. You might start out weak. You might start out really small. But you need to be honest with who you are and where you are right now. And go ahead and take those steps that God is putting in opportunities before you right now over time, you'll grow. Psychologists understand this, which is quite interesting, that facing fear in any area of your life actually has an impact on your courage across the board. It's pretty incredible. So people who have uh, who have severe phobias of one kind or another, whether it be heights or spiders or anything else. People have severe debilitating uh, uh, phobias. What therapists and psychologists have discovered by working with them is that they can sometimes help that person become more courageous in facing their, their really big, bad phobia by just start practicing it more in other areas of their life. Or, or sometimes what happens is you have a person who is, has a great phobia with elevators or or heights or something else and through working with their therapist they start taking small steps to overcome it it might be something as small as just looking at an elevator okay that's where they are that's where they got to start but you know what else happens they start standing up for themselves at work with their boss and they start doing this and that and what happened it has an effect across the board Practicing courage in your life with whatever opportunities God has placed before you can actually impact uh, your courage across the board on the day of testing. Let me give you some practical examples of what it can look like to take small steps of courage in your life. The first one is this practice truth. Practice truth. Only speak the truth and refuse to live by lies or falsehoods of any kind. No more white lies. No more bending the truth, no more incomplete truths, or whatever else it might be. Only, always, speak the truth. Become someone who, even more than that, not only speaks the truth, but then refuses to participate in lies or falsehoods of any kind. Go so far as, this is an idea that I got from Alexander Solzhenitsyn through Rod Dreher in his book. What Souls and Instance says in, that, in, in, in his uh, speech, Live Not By Lies, he says, he goes so far as to say, if you're in a movie and they put forward an idea in that movie that you do not agree with, get up and walk out. Now, that seems extreme, and I'll admit it is. <laughs> I saw Spider Man recently, and there's ideas in that that I didn't agree with, but I didn't get up and walk out. But he speaks so, uh, so extremely because of this, but because it is trying to build an intolerance to lies and falsehoods so I might become someone who is not afraid of the truth whenever we are really tested on it. So practice the truth. Only speak it, refuse to live by lies, falsehoods, or any other kind. Here's a second one. Once again, it is an obvious step. But obey God. Obey God. Start obeying him, not just by avoiding sin, but by practicing Righteousness. Obeying God is so much more than just stopping your sinning, but then also taking steps to live with active righteousness, to do as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 10. You know, in Ephesians 2, 8, it talks about how we are saved by grace and uh, how God gives us faith and, it, and it's wonderful. And then in verse 10, what does it say? It says, for we are his workmanship, created for good works, which he prepared beforehand. You were saved not just so that you might quit sinning, but so that you might then do good works. Good works which are so important to God that it says He prepared them beforehand. How incredible is that? So resolve to start obeying Him. Quit just avoiding sin and start pursuing righteousness. Take every single step of obedience that God places before you, take advantage of every opportunity for obedience that God puts before you, determined that you will submit and you will be absolutely loyal and obedient to your king. Here's another one. This one is, is less, quote unquote, spiritual, but equally as applicable. Seek experiences that stretch you. Seek experiences that stretch you. is a really practical thing to do. Uh, Step outside your comfort zone in in, in whatever different ways they're offered to you, whether that be through uh, physical activities of one kind or another are a great way to do this. Step outside your comfort zone through a physical activity, whether that be trying a new sport, going – Going shooting basketball, going shooting guns, uh, uh, shooting clay, uh, starting to work out, starting to try a different type of working out, uh, going to another gym, whatever it might be. Find something that you can do that gets you, it doesn't have to be quote unquote scary, but it just gets you to step outside of your comfort zone. And that goes beyond uh, physical activities, obviously, but just seek experiences that stretch you, that get you outside of that comfort zone a little bit. And it requires just a little bit of willingness to go into the unknown. Right. <laughs> Don't get me started on Frozen 2. I okay? was, was not a reference to Frozen 2. I do not like that. Uh, I do not like that movie. Um, because whenever a storm comes upon us and we're, we're trapped in a maelstrom in the sea, we're caught in the realm of chaos, which is the realm of the unknown. It's the realm of disillusionment. right? And so take voluntary steps to go into the unknown from time to time voluntary steps to go into their realm of chaos maybe for you chaos is trying a different grocery store than what you usually use okay but it all adds up it all adds up seek experiences that stretch you here's the third habit build intentional communities that bring encouragement and solidarity this is something that comes from uh, i already mentioned it offhand But Rod Draher's newest book, Live Not by Lies, in it uh, he—a very, very large portion of the book is his interviews and conversations that he had with people, families, and descendants of those who lived beneath uh, Soviet oppression in Eastern Europe, uh, underneath the the Soviet communist oppression and the different things that they did in order to build underground churches and movements— Uh, And especially in places like Czechoslovakia, where it was uh, the underground church that had been built up over decades that had a direct impact on the Soviet Union losing its power in that nation. One of the most important things that they did was they built intentional communities. They built places where it was safe to come and talk about your fears, talk about the things you were facing, talk about the times that you had failed. Their intentional communities were the kind of places where whenever someone would uh, would fail and be uh, interrogated by the secret police and give up names. You know what they would do? The first thing after they're released, they'll go to their community, they'll go to their underground church and confess it because it was a safe place to share even their failures, to even share, I gave you up. But to be welcomed, encouraged, and to say, all right, what do we do? We need intentional communities where we can come together for encouragement, for accountability, and especially for solidarity whenever we struggle, whenever we're vulnerable, or whenever we fail. So build those intentional communities. This can go right along with that. The fourth, the last suggestion I have um, is to fill your imagination with great stories and examples of courage. This is another example from Dreher's book. Uh, He talks about how uh, or he interviewed this one family who would regularly uh, watch uh, the the old Western High Noon. You guys ever seen High Noon? Great old Western. Uh, And even though it was illegal for them to, they would hold these secret screenings. And their family and then whenever their community would get together, they watched this movie over and over and over and over again. Why? Because they wanted their children to see what living courageously looked like. And they were very intentional to watch those kind of movies, to read stories to their, to their children, to read stories to one another, because they wanted to fill their imagination and fill their mind with, with, with these examples and these stories so that it might have a shaping and formative effect on their character. Do the same. Whenever you go to entertainment on TV, movies, books, don't just mindlessly choose whatever is before you, but, but think uh, uh, carefully. What am I going to watch or read or intake in order to form my character to, the, to help me become the kind of person I want to be? And so intentionally curate and choose stories of courage, stories of, uh, of bravery, of valor, stories of moral courage, stories of endurance and fortitude. Uh, some, there's great exam, many, many uh, examples, and many of them are obvious, but one of the best and most obvious ones would be the Lord of the Rings trilogy whether the books or movies, but, but uh, it's important to fill your mind with these stories, right? Uh, go to them again and again so they, they might shape your imagination and who you are. I frequently talk to people who are, are very disheartened by the trends we see in our culture, by the trends we see uh, in, in government, by the trends we see in, uh, in, in higher education institutions, Trends we see in media and in just broader popular culture. Trends that we see even in our own communities. I talk to people all the time who see all these things and are really discouraged. They're scared. They're worried. They're disheartened. And they say, you know, what's the point? They're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm losing steam. I'm losing a reason for why we should continue to do the work of the kingdom beyond just my own individual personal obedience. But beyond that, what's the point? Why should we continue to do the work of the kingdom? Here's why. As long as our king is risen from the grave, we have reason to do the work. Remember, whenever Jesus rose from the grave, it was not just that we might have eternal life. Although, praise God, praise God it is. We receive eternal life through that. But whenever Jesus rose from the grave, it was the inauguration of his kingdom that had invaded the kingdom of Satan. It was the inauguration of his kingdom on this earth, which, as the Psalms tell us, he is slowly, even right now, and until the day that he returns, he is putting all of his enemies under his footstool. He is turning them into his footstool. His kingdom is continuing to grow and expand, no matter what minor and momentary setbacks we see, no no, no matter what trends we face that might be disheartening remember this, he is still risen and he is still putting his enemies under his footstool. His kingdom is still expanding. And as long as he is resurrected and as long as he reigns, his continu- His kingdom will continue to grow. This was the promise uh, of the gospel, the promise of the great commission. This is what the father promised to his son. By doing his work, All the nations of the world would be his. And so do not get caught up in the short term. And by the short term, I don't just mean today, but I mean this decade. I mean even this century. In in terms of the kingdom of God, this century is a blip, right, in terms of what he is doing. Don't get caught up, discouraged or disheartened at what's happening right now because the kingdom is still on the move. And as long as our king reigns, we have reason to do the work. As the song says, No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. So in the power of Christ, go into the storm. Thanks for listening. I hope this episode provided you with biblical clarity to live with confidence in our confused world. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating or review. To catch up with later from me, you can go to my website, AaronChamp.com. While you're there, subscribe to my newsletter so that you can be updated anytime I share new content. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at M. Champ. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Until then, hold fast to the end.